Praised be Jesus Christ. Peace be with you today, Monday, January 30th, 2023. I am out for a bit of a morning walk here at St. Patrick's Seminary, and the whole, the whole world seems to be alive. All the animals are out here calling to one another. The birds are singing. The squirrels are scampering. The crows are hollering, <laughs> whatever it is crows do. The grass is growing. Everything is uh, bedewed with morning dew and the sun is shining bright in the sky above, the blue sky without any clouds whatsoever. It's a uh, wonderful, glorious morning here filled with the Lord's delight and beauty. So I hope you all are enjoying your day wherever you are, whatever day it is as you're listening to this. I am uh, just finishing up STB exams. Uh, at the moment that I'm recording this, uh, I have one more still to go, which is moral theology, a written exam. But I've got two finished and behind me now by this point, those uh, being dogmatics and sacred scripture. They went very well. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm quite certain that I passed, but I think I did about as well as could have been expected. Um, and and uh, the only thing is that this past week, preparing for the exams has taken up a lot of time. <laughs> so it feels good that they're done. And I'm, as I say, confident that I've done well. And this, this uh, third one yet to come also, once I have taken it, I'm sure that uh, it also will go equally well. But I've got a number of other things coming up that I have to attend to. And I've spent the majority of my time this last week just preparing for the exams. So unfortunately, I'm feeling a bit behind and a bit burdened with uh, different activities. But I'm sure this week, this new week, is th things will kind of uh, even out now and I'll re regain some equilibrium now that the written exams are passed. And uh, just got one more oral exam coming up uh, in two weeks. And uh, that's the one I've mentioned that's before a faculty panel, and they each have a set amount of time to ask us some questions, and it's kind of open season, you know, fair, anything's fair game. So I'll continue preparing for that, but I don't think I will have to prepare for that quite as intensively as I did for the written exams. So things are beginning to get back to more of a normal workload and, and schedule. But yeah, we have a number of uh, kind of assignments that are due early in the semester, and that's unusual as well. Not only do we have the comprehensive exams here in these very first weeks, but also um, one of our classes, we have to uh, write a paper and present it in class by the second week of February. Then another class, I think that same week, we have a reflection paper that is due. Um, and also, we're being evaluated right now. <laughs> they evaluate the deacons first because we're up for priestly ordination, so they have to kind of move us along. So they do deacons first, then they do the theology three men who are up for a diaconate this year, and then they continue down the ranks through the other years of seminarians. So we're the first ones up, and uh, they're uh, this week, I believe, voting on us. 
whether or not to recommend us for priesthood. And so uh, we've had to write our self-evaluations for that. And, you know, there's kind of a process of back and forth <laughs> with the formation faculty where we write and they give comments and we revise and, you know, it's kind of like that. So um, there's, a, there's a lot going on right now. It's, it's busier than usual at the outset of this semester. The other thing that I have on my mind is uh, preparing for things at the parish. So I'm continuing to teach confirmation. I've, with the permission of my pastor, scaled that back to just once a month, and I'm grateful for that. But uh, still I have to find time to write my lesson plans for confirmation. And, and uh, yeah, I find that my best laid plans go awry. <laughs> like this past week, I had these times plotted out, you know, in my schedule. This time uh, is, is for reading, this time for writing, and I thought, I'll, okay, I'll use this block to work on my lesson plan, this block, you know, for whatever. But then the preparations for the written exams, man, they just took so much more time than I predicted and kind of swallowed up all these other blocks <laughs> that I had allotted to other things. And then all of a sudden, I find myself at the end of the week with... Uh, with many things still to do and things looming and not yet finished. So that's not a great feeling. Oh, but as I say, the exams, at least, at least, at least, those are done and done well. And the rest, I think, will just fall into place. You know, we, we only do what we can do. And at the end of the day, it's consoling to know that that's all that the Lord asks of us anyway. <laughs> he asks us to be faithful. He asks us to put in our best efforts. And the rest, either he makes up for with his grace or he was never really asking us to do it anyway. <laughs> so that's about what's going on for me right now. Today, by the way, is a day of celebration for In Your Embrace podcast. We've arrived at the five-year anniversary of this podcast. Can you believe that? I cannot believe I've been doing this for five years. Now, to be specific... Today, January 30th, is the five-year anniversary of the second episode of this podcast. If you scroll all the way back in your podcast feed, you will find episode two, The Fruit You're Eating, <laughs> aired on January 30th, 2018, five years ago today. The first episode was January 24th, the inaugural episode. I do not recommend you go back and listen to those early episodes. <laughs> the quality is markedly worse in every way. <laughs> but they are still there. And uh, thanks be to God for five years of In Your Embrace podcast. I certainly never expected when I started this in 2018 on a whim one morning. A morning much like this one. <laughs> Out for a walk when I was at that time a senior at Mount Angel College Seminary, just taking my stroll through the little village and uh, acting on an impulse, which was inspired in me by the example of Father Roderick von Hogen, a Dutch priest who has been in the podcasting game for like over a decade. He's one of the first podcasters, not only in the Catholic world, but even in the world, I think. Um, like when iTunes first launched the podcasting feature, he was right there starting uh, the world's, possibly the world's first Catholic podcast. He's one I've been listening to my entire Catholic life since the beginnings of my conversion. I found him and I'd listened to his podcast like when I was walking to and from high school in Roseburg. And uh, so then as a seminarian and about an angel, my fourth year, 
Um, he had this podcast series where he was, I forget what exactly he was talking about, but something in it kind of sparked in me this desire to uh, start a podcast of my own. And here we are five years later, still going strong. Of course, there have been many uh, <laughs> peaks and valleys in the production of In Your Embrace podcast and sometimes long stretches with no new episodes, but we've kept this thing going for five years. And if any of you are still listening now from those very first episodes, all I can say to you is thank you for your patience <laughs> and your perseverance with uh, this very meandering show about so many different related things. The only thing they all have in common really is that I'm interested in them, <laughs> but I hope the topics I talk about from time to time are interesting to you as well, and that this podcast has added something uh, to your life. Those of you who are listening, whether from, from five years ago or just from recently, I hope that when you hit play on one of these episodes that, uh, you know, maybe it brings a little bit of spiritual consolation. It might bring a, a bit of light to an area of life that has been confusing or perhaps uh, shrouded in darkness or just uh, that you encounter the Lord. That's really my greatest hope for this podcast is that in the midst of all my meandering and often unstructured thoughts <laughs> that you really encounter the Lord. And once in a while that you will hear his voice and that he will speak to you. And, and really that in these conversations that we have together, uh, on In Your Embrace, that the Lord will hold us in His embrace, and that we will experience the love and the peace of God here together. So that's the mission. That's the mission of the podcast, and uh, I hope that for all of you, that this mission is bearing fruit. Also, I wanted to share with you some exciting news. If you follow me on YouTube, I believe uh, my YouTube name is Matthew Knight PDX. For Portland, so all one word, Matthew Knight PDX. Um, if you follow me on YouTube, you will see that this last week I put up two new videos, and these are a little bit unusual. These are something new. Uh, these videos are under the heading Cantica Jesu, which means Songs of Jesus, uh, and this is part of a collaboration project I'm doing with a brother seminarian, Joshua Leeson from the Diocese of Stockton. And a friend of mine from back home in Oregon, who will remain nameless at her request. But amongst the three of us, uh, really by this friend's initiative, uh, in prayer, we have begun this project of uh, writing and recording some new devotional music in the Latin language. Now this is kind of uh, not only something new for us, but something new for the church, <laughs> at least in our modern context. Um, this is not sacred music, this is not liturgical music, you know what I mean? This is not like the music that you would hear at Mass, the chants that you might hear um, from the Graduale Romanum or something like that. This is like devotional music that you might hear at a holy hour, um, a praise and worship, you know, kind of a night, where you might listen to, you know, from uh, Spotify or something like that. It's music that's meant to, uh, to aid us in prayer, that comes out of prayer, it's meant to lift us into prayer, but it's all in Latin. It's in the church's sacred language. But the musical aspect of it is, you know, contemporary. It uses piano and uh, some contemporary, you know, chord progressions and things like that. So it's kind of a fusion. It's something uh, that aims to unite 
these two areas of the church that are often kind of very distant from each other, <laughs> namely Latin and uh, contemporary musical style. And so you'll find these two songs, and actually uh, the beginning of this podcast today, the music you heard, if you thought, huh, that sounds a little bit different, that's one of the ones we recorded. So that one that you've heard at the beginning, that is a, an excerpt from the song Aferte Ilos Miki Uk. The name of that song comes from the gospel, uh, the, uh, the passage of the feeding of the 5,000, where the disciples are wondering, you know, how are we going to feed this enormous crowd that's come to hear the Lord speak? And Jesus says, go yourselves and get them something to eat. Well, then the disciples are even more confounded. How are we supposed to find enough money to buy food for all these people? In the end, they uh, kind of take up this little collection, you know, and, and the little boy comes and, uh, you know, the story. He has the basket with just a few loaves and fish. And then the Lord gives them this mysterious command, Aferte ilos miki uk, bring them here to me. And Jesus feeds the crowd in a miraculous abundance. There's baskets upon baskets left over of just these little scraps, these little crumbs that the disciples were able to scrounge up. So that's one song you can find on YouTube, Aferte ilos miki uk. The other one we've done is called Corpus Meum, meaning my body. And the chorus of this song comes directly from the Roman canon, uh, the liturgy of the Eucharist, and ultimately from the Gospel of the Last Supper, where the Lord says, this is my body, this is my blood. So this is a, a really a love song, a romance, a song from the Lord about um, his desire for us and how he gives himself to us to fulfill our hunger and our thirst. Uh, so do give these songs a listen, and please let me know what you think. Your feedback will be helpful for us as we discern, you know, whether or not to pursue this and what the next steps might be. So yeah, please uh, give it a listen. Let me know your thoughts, and especially if you have suggestions for future music. Now the sound quality could use a little bit of work. We're uh, working with what we've got. Our technology is not studio quality, to be sure, but we're doing our, our best with it. So. Uh, yeah, I hope that you enjoy it, that it blesses you. Again, the YouTube link is, uh, I think, is Matthew Knight PDX, but I will put links to those videos in the description of this podcast. So if you just want to go look at the description, you can click the link and go directly there. What else is going on for me right now? Uh, gosh, I feel like my brain is just kind of mush <laughs> after all of these exams I've been doing. Um, uh, yeah, nothing else immediately comes to mind. Oh, of course, <laughs> we have our discernment retreat this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, fortunately is kind of on the back burner for me because for the first time in three years, I'm not in charge of it. <laughs> so the only thing I have to do is uh, I'm leading a holy hour tomorrow night for the discerners. We'll have uh, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, sung vespers, and a time of silent prayer and then benediction. So I'm... Uh, dropping in as clergy support <laughs> and then dipping out again right after that. But do pray for the men on retreat. 
here at the seminary. I think there's about 40 of them who are coming beginning uh, tonight. Okay, okay, of course. So uh, again, I'm recording this in advance, all right? So right now it's Friday <laughs> for me, but you're hearing this on Monday or maybe later. So by the time you hear this, the retreat's going to be over, okay? But you can still pray for them, so please pray for the discerners and uh, pray for clarity and their discernment that the Lord will speak clearly to their hearts, reveal to them His desires for them, and grant them the courage and the perseverance they need to take the next good step in wherever the Lord is, is leading them. All right, well, that about wraps it up for uh, my brief update. Let's go ahead now and jump over to our Carmelite conversation. We can continue our investigation into St. Teresa of Avila's interior castle. Los Whoever is a little one, let him come to me. I have no need to climb to the height of the great saints, but I just have to be myself, a little child. In these words of scripture, I found at last my little way to become a saint. Well, last week we began by reading the, uh, the introduction of St. Teresa's interior castle. I spoke to you a little bit about her life, her background, uh, both as a young woman, then, you know, her first years in Carmel, her, really her second conversion to a deeper spiritual life, and then ultimately her life's work, which began quite late in life, of reforming the Carmelite order, founding the Discalced Carmelites, which took her all over Spain and, uh, Ultimately, it was an apostolate that is still bearing fruit today. We still have discalced Carmelite friars and nuns and sisters throughout the world uh, doing just tremendous work for the kingdom of God. And principally, their work is contemplation, <laughs> the work of prayer. That's their primary purpose. They pray. Um, they, they go deep into uh, interior transformation, experiencing the transformative power of the love and the presence of God on behalf of all and for all. And then secondarily, especially the friars have the work of teaching the rest of the church like how to pray. <laughs> uh, they teach us, especially through the writings of their great saints, Teresa of Jesus, John of the Cross, Therese of Lisieux, Elizabeth of the Trinity, and so on. They teach us what it is to live the spiritual life, to go within the castle to seek God who's seeking us first and to allow ourselves to be transformed by Him who loves us so well. So that's the mission and the, the apostolate really of Carmel and the Discalced Carmelites. Teresa of Jesus uh, wrote the interior castle at the direction of her spiritual director, a Dominican priest named Father Domingo Bañez. She didn't really intend to, uh, you know, to write a spiritual treatise. She was just making these notations at the spiritual director's command, really for the good of her own sisters. So the interior castle is a bit disorganized in times. You know, it's, it's not really like John of the Cross, his very orderly, you know, uh, theological treatise. Of course, he was a scholastic theologian trained at the University of Salamanca and really had uh, the theological acumen to make very clear distinctions and, you know, progression from first principles to their consequences. Whereas Teresa is really just writing what happened to her. 
Her book reads more like a travelogue. It's like the memoirs of a pilgrim who has made a great journey and now she's writing about it and telling us what happened and the way she went so that we can follow in her footsteps. Now, you'll notice if you read the interior castle, especially in a modern translation uh, like the one by the Institute of Carmelite Studies in Washington, D.C., you'll find that uh, St. Teresa uses the language of dwelling places. So within the castle, which is the soul, there are all these dwelling places. And in Spanish, she uses the term moradas, las moradas. Now, the dwelling places, the reason that's in the plural, even though there's really kind of seven, mm, think of them like concentric circles, you know, of, of these dwelling places. You're kind of penetrating deeper and deeper into the castle towards the innermost room. And as you go through, there's, you know, kind of a first and a second and a third circle and so on of dwelling places. They're like these uh, collections of rooms. But there's not just one room. There's not just one first room, one second room and so on, such that the entire journey is essentially identical for every person. No. Teresa uses the term moradas, dwelling places, because the journey is different for every one of us. You know, each one of us who embarks on the journey within, entering the interior castle, seeking the Lord, well, we will find very quickly that uh, your experience is not the same as my experience. Um, there's certain things that are similar that are going to pretty much be held in common between any of us who embark on this path. Um, especially as we progress through the spiritual life, there's a shape that the journey has. Nonetheless, our particular experiences will vary based on our personality, based on our background, our particular you know, weaknesses and strengths, um, because the Lord deals with us according to who we are. He knows us that well, doesn't he? He really knows. He knows our castle better than we know ourselves. And he leads us through it, through the consecutive dwelling places, in the way that is best suited to who we are, in order to form us into the kinds of people we are meant to be. So that's the first thing to keep in mind as we're reading the interior castle. It's a travelogue. It's a memoir written by a fellow traveler, St. Teresa, who's gone before us and really has penetrated to the innermost room, to the seventh dwelling places, which are the dwelling places of transforming union, spiritual marriage with God and the soul. She's gone the whole way from outside the castle all the way to the throne room where His Majesty, the Lord, dwells within us. So we're following in her footsteps, but not exactly, because we're not all exactly like Teresa. <laughs> We're not all 16th century uh, <laughs> Spanish, you know, noble women with her particular strength and faults and, and all of that. No, we're unique. So we're going to have our own path as we uh, undertake the same journey into our souls. Now, what's going on in the first dwelling places? These are the very first rooms that we'll enter as we come into the interior castle. Remember, Teresa says that many, many souls dwell outside the castle. They dwell, as it were, outside of themselves. And to understand what that means, I think we could just use the language of living on the surface of things. Many, many people live a kind of a superficial and an unexamined life. I'm thinking of now the famous quote from, is it Socrates? The unexamined life is not worth living. 
Teresa would agree with that 100%. She, uh, she could have said exactly the same thing in the interior castle. And in her chapters on the first dwelling places, she does make essentially the same point. Those who live on the surface of things, those who live outside the castle, well, they're living at best a kind of a half-life. Um, they're not really engaging their fullest human potential because ultimately all of us are made for union with God. This is like the great uh, driving force, the great motivation, the, sometimes the unspoken truth behind all the writings of the great spiritual masters, especially of the Carmelite tradition. And Teresa's going to get us there. <laughs> she doesn't always say it explicitly in the beginning, but she's going to get us there. We're made for union with God. The spiritual marriage is what awaits us in the seventh dwelling places, in the innermost room, the union of the soul with God. So those who live on the surface and never enter the castle, they're very busy about many external things and worldly affairs. They're very concerned often with money and financial matters or things of business or, you know, affairs of romance or looking for pleasure wherever they can find it, looking for power, whatever it might be. They're concerned about things of this world. And they're so concerned and caught up in them that they hardly ever raise their minds up to things of heaven, to the things of eternal glory, the things that we would say really matter. They hardly ever even look within themselves. So how do we move from a kind of an exterior life lived on the surface of things and caught up in worldly affairs to begin the journey within? How do we, how do we take our first steps inside ourselves, inside our interior castle? That's the question. Teresa says, the one door to this castle is prayer. Prayer is the door to the interior castle. Prayer begins to move us from the surface of things to now going beneath the surface. Even if it's just for a few moments and just a few inches <laughs> beneath the surface. Uh, I'm just mixing metaphors here a little bit. Entering the castle and going beneath the surface like we're beginning to go into water now. We're just beginning to go beneath the surface of the water and see what lies beneath. So prayer is the way to enter the castle. Prayer and reflection. Now, these two things are very linked. And for St. Teresa, we want to keep in mind that she always holds these two together. Prayer and reflection. And we could associate reflection with self-knowledge. Teresa says that self-knowledge is very essential, is absolutely necessary at every stage along the journey from the very beginning of the spiritual life all the way to its consummation in the seventh dwelling places. We must know ourselves. And this gets back to the idea of the examined versus the unexamined life. The unexamined life is lived by those who stay outside the castle. If we're going to enter in, we need to examine ourselves and examine our life and come to know ourselves as we really are, in the truth of who we are. This self-knowledge and reflection leads to the virtue of humility. For St. Teresa, humility, I know I've quoted this probably many times on the podcast, but humility, she has a wonderfully simple definition. Humility is andar en la verdad, to walk in the truth. The truth, meaning the truth of who I am and the truth of who God is. I'm not walking in illusions. 
And that's part of what happens when we live on the surface of things, <laughs> as we're living outside the castle and we're so caught up in all these worldly affairs and things that are at best of passing and momentary importance, not of eternal importance. While we're living like that, we're very apt to get caught up in illusions about things. And, and that's because we're giving all of our attention to things that ultimately uh, are, are not... I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this, <laughs> even though it's a bit polemical, we're giving our attention to things that are not really real. <laughs> now, it's not to say that things of the world don't actually exist, but consider them subspecie eternitatis. Consider them from the perspective of eternity, right? Many of the things that we occupy our days with are passing like a breath of wind. And as the psalmist says, they, they, like, like the grass, they blossom quickly and then they are gone. Like dust, they disappear. So we give our attention to those things and we, get, and we gain a distorted vision, both of ourselves and of God. We become what we pay attention to. This is an important principle that underlies the Carmelite teaching on the spiritual life. Our attention is tremendously important. If we give all of our attention to worldly things, then our self-image becomes a reflection of the worldly passing things that we're paying attention to. And our image of God likewise is distorted. If we think of him at all, then perhaps we think of him as like someone who's very distant. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, maybe we, we think that God is not really real the way that the things of the world are the things that we are dealing with constantly. We think, well, God's kind of, you know, he's up there in the sky. He's far away from me and my, my concerns. And maybe one day when I'm 90, then I'll start to think about God and prepare for my death. But until then, uh, no thanks, God. You'll just have to wait <laughs> while I take care of the really important things in life. So this is the point about St. Teresa and the entrance into the first dwelling places. What we really need is a kind of a radical reorientation of life and of our worldview. That's not going to be accomplished in the blink of an eye. But the beginnings of it are accomplished when we set out to pray. And we, and we make a firm decision to live a life of prayer and reflection. And therefore, St. Teresa says that what's really necessary as we begin to enter into the castle and we want to make further progress, what's really necessary is a life of discipline. We need a dis discipline of life, actually, to say it a different way. We need to have a rule of life which emphasizes prayer and reflection. Because the primary way the devil is going to tempt us in these early stages of the spiritual life is with busyness and the attraction of worldly things and worldly affairs. Um, those things that we've been very entangled with outside the castle, they still have a lot of pull on our hearts and on our souls. Just because we start to pray and take our first you know, hesitant steps inside the castle doesn't mean we're free. <laughs> those things outside continue to drag us back. In fact, Teresa uses the very evocative image, I think, of like little reptiles. There's like snakes and lizards and all kinds of creepy crawly things out there, outside in the dark. And when we open up the door, which is prayer and reflection, and we step inside the castle, well, a lot of those little creatures come inside with us. They come with us. They hitch a ride because they're like, they're hanging onto our clothes. <laughs> you know, they're clinging to us. 
And as we go in, they come in. And now, even though we're in the castle, there's not a lot of peace and a lot of quiet because all the little creatures are still there and they're hissing and making noises and croaking and, and crawling around and distracting us. So the soul in these first dwelling places is very vulnerable. And that's just something that we who are spiritual directors or spiritual friends, um, and we want to help other people make progress in the spiritual life, we should keep that in mind as well. Those who are beginning to live a spiritual life, they're very vulnerable. It's very, very easy to fall backwards, to backslide. In fact, it's very normal. (laughs) It takes time. It takes time to build up a discipline of life. It takes time often even to get to the point of making a firm decision to live a life of prayer and reflection and to then begin ordering our lives around that decision. But as we begin to do so, as we begin to practice prayer regularly, and we begin to reflect upon ourselves to gain self-knowledge and therefore to grow in the virtue of humility, then we will begin to make very rapid progress through these first dwelling places and ascending into the next level, the second dwelling places of the interior castle. So what's needed to make progress? Again, just to recap. First of all, the firm decision to live a life of prayer and reflection. Second of all, what's needed is to develop a discipline of life, which is centered around those things. And so there doesn't need to really be much prayer or even very good prayer, (laughs) whatever that means, good prayer. What's needed above all is regularity. So what we want to start to do is make a commitment. Say, first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening, I will pray. I'll pray for five minutes when I wake up. And what I'll do is I'll set my timer and I'm going to go to this particular place. I'll go sit in this chair in front of this icon of Jesus and I'm just going to I'm just going to sit there and look at the icon and let the Lord look at me. Five minutes, that's my prayer. In the evenings, 10 minutes. I'll be ambitious. <laughs> 10 minutes. What I'll do for 10 minutes at the end of my day, at 9 p.m., my alarm will go off. And what I will do is I'll go back to my chair. I'll open up the Bible. I'll begin with Matthew chapter 1. And for five minutes, I'll read the Bible. I'll set my alarm. And when those five minutes are up, I'll close the Bible and I'll pray for five more minutes. Just an example. Just an example. But we begin to develop this discipline of regular prayer and we stick to it. For reflection, a great thing to do is journaling. You know, just journaling. Um, It's also really good to have a spiritual director at every stage of the spiritual life. But especially here at the beginning, it's good. Have somebody that you can speak to and uh, share your experiences, including your struggles, successes, and failures. And should be somebody who's more advanced than you and somebody who you can trust, who's not going to judge and condemn you for the moments that you fail, because if that happens, then you're not going to share honestly. (laughs) It's not going to be very helpful for anybody. But somebody who's going to support you and encourage you and be able to plot the course forward. So that's very helpful as well. So again, this is just the very, very beginning of the castle. But even as the soul begins to enter these first dwelling places, and and there's so much much battle, these first dwelling places are very decisive. Even though this is so early in the spiritual life, the devil, Teresa says, the devil will move heaven and earth. He will send forth every demon from hell in order to prevent one soul from entering the castle 
if he sees that soul is disposed to go all the way to the end. Because if that soul takes the first step, guess what? And he doesn't oppose it, then guess what's going to happen? It'll take the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and it's going to make it all the way, all the way to the seventh dwelling places. And the devil will not stand for that. He will not take that lying down. Because one soul that makes it all the way to the center, that makes it to union with God, that soul living upon earth is going to do more damage to his kingdom than a million other souls, right? Who are, who are maybe trying to do the will of God and like build up the kingdom, but they're not praying and they're just living outside the castle. As long as those souls are outside the castle, they're the devil's playthings. He can do whatever he wants with them. He can deceive them. He can move them around. It's easy. But when a soul really decides to live a life of prayer and reflection and to give themselves over and surrender to God and to be united to him in the spiritual marriage, wow, that soul upon earth is like St. John Vianney, the patron saint of priests, about whom the devil once said, if there were three more priests like him, my kingdom would be finished. So this is what's at stake. And you better believe the devil will do everything he can to prevent a soul from taking the first steps. That's why what's needed above all in these first stages is humility and perseverance. Humility, knowing ourselves, we get to know ourselves especially through our failures and faults and weaknesses. <laughs> and so we shouldn't be surprised uh, at the beginning of the spiritual life when we, we fall and we fall often and maybe we fall hard. But we get up and we try again. And we put our faith in God. We persevere. And we have a determined determination to live this life of prayer and reflection. Trusting that the Lord in time will lead us on. As we, we grow in strength. We grow in strength. Then he will lead us on into the deeper regions of the castle. And although in the beginning there's not terribly much consolation. Uh, as I said, in these beginning rooms, these first rooms, the creatures are all there with us. They're making a, a clamorous noise and filling up the castle with uh, chaos. So there's not terribly much peace. There's not a lot of spiritual delight. When we go to pray very often, it's going to be dry and there's going to be lots of distractions and we don't, we're, we're, and we think maybe we're doing something wrong. We're, we're thinking like, you know, oh, I'm coming to pray and I don't feel like St. Teresa going into ecstasy. <laughs> I just feel kind of stupid. <laughs> I'm sitting here and my brain's going crazy. That's fine. It's normal. What we need to do is keep choosing to pray. Just keep choosing to pray. Keep coming back. Keep taking the first steps. And gradually, sooner or later, we, we just place our faith in God. There will come a time that we're no longer just at the threshold of the castle. We'll make it further. We'll make it further. So this is St. Teresa's teaching on the first dwelling places. And uh, many of you listening, I know many of you are much deeper into the castle than this. <laughs> Some of you maybe are just beginning and that's fine. That's fine. Even St. Teresa says very often in the spiritual life, um, it's not like we're just, we just take this journey once. We can find ourselves all of a sudden back at the very beginning. And we just thank God for humbling us. <laughs> That's all. And we just begin again. So wherever you are in the spiritual life, I hope this brief reflection is helpful for you in some way. If nothing else, um, as a reminder of what it was like at the very, very beginnings and what it is like for many of our brothers and sisters who are just setting out. 
I think about that sometimes when I'm with the propedeutic men, our very f uh, first year seminarians who are here at St. Patrick's, just, just beginning. And I love hanging out with them. They're filled with so much zeal and energy and excitement and joy. And being around them is like, yeah, okay, here we go. We're, we're all in for Jesus. But very often they get discouraged <laughs> so easily. I get discouraged easily too. But the thing is now nine years in, I have some experience under my belt and I, I know what's going on. And sometimes for them, it's like they, they'll go to pray and the distractions are so great or the dryness is so intense, they just want to give up. <laughs> and they'll think, oh, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm doing everything wrong. And so St. Teresa is a very helpful spiritual friend for us to turn to in those moments. She'll, she'll say to us, just get up and try again. Just keep going. Just keep going. And the Lord will bring you all the way to the finish line. So dear friends, today I hope that St. Teresa and all the saints will be with you to encourage you, to encourage you to take the next good step. And please do pray for us, especially our men here on discernment weekend. And know that I am praying for you this week as always. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Father,